Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this week, we've got Scotty Merwin from Lake Oseka Guide Service back on the show. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Scott's a multi-species guy, but we probably ask him to talk about crappies every single time we've ever had him on. Uh, this time is no different, but this one, uh, this is a really fun conversation with Scott, and it really, uh, it's just fun to have Scott share a bunch of details about his favorite big fish, big crappie pattern that's going on all ice season long, all year long. And this pattern that Scott talks about is probably for a lot of us on most natural lakes in the Midwest is probably the, uh, one of the more likely patterns on anybody's home lake where they would break their PB. Um, I know that's true for me. Uh, Scott came to one of my home lakes, actually. Uh, Scott's a good friend of the show, and we did some filming and just so happened on a road trip to be in and around the area where I grew up. And we popped in and fished for a day on one of my home lakes that I grew up fishing. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I thought I knew everything about that lake, but uh, I caught quite a few fish on that lake growing up. And Scott came in, and we talk a little bit about it on the show, but Scott came in um, and fished this lake. He had never been on this body of water before ever in his life, and he started fishing this pattern of these fish that ride right below the ice, okay, uh, in the, the dark zone or, you know, the, the no-fly zone of a Vexlar or a Flasher, you know, too high for any electronics to really particularly see that good. I know now we have forward sonar, but even before forward sonar, Scott was gaining confidence fishing right below the ice uh, with pretty aggressive presentations and uh, having success, not catching numbers, not catching average fish, catching giants. And that's what this show is all about, giant crappies with Scott Merwin. Let's get into the interview. Stuff came up, and, and we were talking recently, and this show, um, you thought of this topic that we should do this show on, and I absolutely love it. This is going to be very, very fun for me, and we've done a lot of crappie shows, and but I don't, we've never really, really shined any light whatsoever on what we're, you and I are going to talk about today, and so I'm really excited about that, and the gist of it is... Um, you know, the, the crappies this time of year, we're talking kind of this, this February, January, February, dead of winter time frame. Um, and you'll go into this more, but you know, the, the crappie patterns, you know, we all kind of have our own opinions on what the crappies are doing out there, but the reality is the diversity in the lakes across the Midwest, especially in Minnesota, like where you're from, every lake is different. The patterns are different and every lake has multiple patterns going on at one time. We're realizing that more and more now, but there's a, there's a pattern of, of crappies that you've been targeting for some years and having some success that you want to talk about on this show. And, and I want you to kind of introduce it. Well, um, basically we're going to talk about the high flyers, the big ones, the giants, the, you know, the ones that, that, that you don't see that often, you know, and, and the, hands of the regular anglers and um and that's that's because they they are high they're underneath the ice they're they're moving quick and fast and if you're not prepared or fishing for them you're not going to catch them and we're just kind of going to talk about you know which lakes to go go to and how to find those lakes and um how to fish them yeah man and talk about 
I mean, the, the, these fish, you know, these fish are up. They're 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 not far below the ice. There's historically hasn't been a whole lot of sonar or any sort of technology to even know that they're there. This is a relatively new thing. I want you to kind of tell the story about how this became a big part of your strategy. You know, these fish just really came on your radar. You know, you were mentioning something about doing some competitive fishing. I want you to kind of tell that story and just kind of how this became, you know, integrated into your passion for crappies. So, I mean, I, I, I learned this through the NAIC and fishing with those guys. And um, it was no secret when I went into the NAIC that I wasn't going in, into the the competitive fishing to win. I was going in there to learn because those guys that competitive fish are just, they're animals. They're amazing. They, they, they live, eat and breathe bluegills and crappies. And, um, you know, they've been, a lot of them been doing it for so long, you know, back since, you know, there's some guys that fished it back when Jens was fishing it, you know, so that's a lot of experience and time and, and stuff like that. And one of the, the, the key things I learned to crappie fishing is to fish above your sonar or below the ice where, you know, um, your sonar can't see that, you know, cause it's right about transducer level. So you have to dedicate your time and energy into fishing that high for some time, you know, hour, two hours to see if those fish are even in those areas. You yeah. know, yeah, 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 and that's a big issue. That's the big issue, I think, with anybody that even is going to tell themselves that they know about this pattern or that they know about these fish. The hardest part is that dedication. It's like what what fishing scenario are you you got to intentionally put yourself in when you're chasing these patterns. It's not about catching numbers, right? It's not about just hand over fist. You know, maybe there's times a year where uh it's better than others i'll let you go into that but i mean this is a real challenge isn't it yeah it's it's a challenge it was hard for me to break and um i'm going to talk about uh, you know my uh, um i didn't really think about this till till one day my tournament partner at the time was adam griffith and he said if you don't dedicate to fishing high and stay at it you're never going to know if they're there so you got to keep that bait up there and work that bait high, um, blind, to even know if there's big crappies in this lake. So if you're not going to dedicate your time, then don't waste your time. You know, just just keep going down to the group and catching the average ones. These situations you're you're looking for them in are a little bit shallower, twenty feet or less. You know, um, I I haven't caught them too much in the basin under the ice. It just seems like it's in shallower water. Yeah, talk a little bit about that because now that, you know, we're talking about these high-flying crappies, they're bigger. This is a big fish deal. Make no mistake about it. And, and you know, the hard part is dedicating your time. It's not that you're missing some, you know, humongous uh, uh, key piece of technology. I mean, really, somebody that doesn't have a sonar, you know, can be doing this, right? And And you're talking about, you're already kind of talking about not necessarily out in the basin, you know, a little bit closer to shore. So you, a lot of these bites, I guess I'm just reading between the lines here, but you don't even need a, a vehicle probably. These are probably spots that some of them are walking distance, right? So we're not making this any harder on the individual than it has to be. It's just the hard part is dedicating yourself. But to know a little bit more, 
Talk about those spots. Talk about how a good lake sets up to have these types of patterns. Like, like how many crappie lakes that you've fished across everywhere you've fished. You've fished South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. You, you've fished the Midwest, and you've caught crappies in pretty much uh, all them states, right? So how, you know, what would be in your mind sort of that quintessential example of where these patterns are happening? Um, I kind of, the, the, it's, it's different on each lake, but like, let's, let's talk about like Osakis, right? For instance, we'll just throw that lake out there. You know, that has deeper basins and then it also has like bays. There's three different bays kind of like on the North end. And in those bays around the edges, it's, you know, it comes up to like 20 feet and, then it gets into 10, you know, well, there's weeds up to like about five or six feet in those areas, you know, not the 20 feet, but the 10 foot, you know, and kind of like on the edge of those weeds out to 20 feet and all the way up into the weeds, those, those crappies are going to be cruising around right underneath the ice. And so those are kind of the areas I'm going to target. I'm not going to go past that 20 feet and I'm not going to go to the, where the weeds are up to the surface, if that makes sense. You know, I'm going to fish that that little band right there. And that's where I usually find those bigger ones on Osakis. Now, you can go to some other metro lakes that are a little bit smaller than Osakis that don't get any deeper than 20 feet. And some of those, and, and key lakes to lower ones with white crappies in them. You know, usually lakes with white crappies have big black crappies too and big crappies because they'll, they'll travel in like groups of two or three or four right underneath the ice and they're just hitting stuff along the way. They're not really looking for food in my mind. This is just an opinion on me. They're not looking, they're just, they're speed, they're speed eating is what they're doing. You know, they're just cruising and grabbing food along the way. And if you're, your bait's up that high, it's just going to get hit when they come by. You know, um, if you're using like baits that rattle like the the um, pinhead middle from Clam Outdoors, you know, that's going to bring some of those and hit it, you know, or you just got a, a minnow like skin hook. I don't know if you know what that is. It's just yeah, barely yeah. hooking one. You know, I mean, that's a big key on us, I guess, too, is to skin hook a minnow and fish high. And that's how you get those bigger giants. You know, I've seen a lot of people or know actually a lot of people that, that fish wheelhouses. I'm not one and stay in overnight. And then those people catch the biggest crappies because they're catching them at night fishing high. Um, in that small little water column under the ice that, that nobody ever fishes. What are some other elements? You know, we're kind of describing this pattern still. Um, you know, what are some other elements to this pattern uh, that you think are either similar or different to other crappie patterns? Like, is it bite window oriented? Um, are these fish kind of living there all day? Do you see daytime bites, um, you know, in this situation? You know, talk a little bit about what you see, you know, what, what kind of what you've seen out of these big crappies historically when you've been chasing them like this. Um, well, like I, I, I see them move fast. You know, if you've ever watched them on forward sonar, which is, that's something new. So now we're kind of seeing what they're doing a little bit and, and, and how they're pattern them a little bit better because we can actually see below the ice, you know, where you can't with the, the, anything that's shooting straight down that you just drop a transducer that shoots straight down. You can't see it, see those fish. So we're learning that they're moving fast under the ice and it's just, you got to have your bait in that, in that 
small little water column to get them to, to activate. And if you're not there, they're not going to bite. So for you, man, how do you fish them? I mean, how do you get out there? So, you know, say you've identified some of these lakes, you put your time in, you know, you're, you're seeing signs of life or maybe you're catching one or two. Like, like, how do you up your batting average with this? Like, like, how do you choose your arsenal? How do you choose how you move around? What are some of the key elements to just your overall strategy, you know, with your setup and your efficiencies and how much do you move? How many holes do you drill? Like, like talk to me about the method of your madness there. Well, the first off, if you're seeing them uh, flying high, uh, on the forward sonar, that's that's a good place to set up and start fishing high. You know, especially if you see two or three groups of them. You know, if you're just seeing one group in there, you know, you're going to have to put more time into that to fish high because you got to wait for them to come through or come in the area to where they can feel that vibration from your pinhead or, or whatever bait you're using that makes that sound. You know, um, or a visual bait too. You know, something that that looks like a minnow that's that's down there, like a tika, or a, um, even the. You know, I do really good with the the Mackie minnows from from clam too. Oh yeah. You know, that's a smaller. Sometimes they don't want big baits; they want smaller baits. But um, in general, when you're fishing these big fish and they're coming through and you're seeing them and they're not biting, you're going to go smaller. But most of the time, you want to fish big, aggressive. And, um, you know, just kind of keep that, that bait moving. So, so when those fish do, do come through, they come to your bait and hit it. The JMO podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at 1-800-255-5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long Haul, running on the power of promises kept. I've seen a little bit of this. We've talked about this before as we've fished. I've actually witnessed you on one of my home lakes. Catch, yeah, I remember that. That you was know, fun. <laughs> we, we, you know, in fact, it was so interesting when you, when you, uh, when you and I were texting back and forth about doing this, having this conversation on the air. Um, it popped into my mind just to let you know, you were the first person to ever really introduce me to this. You know, there was, there was conversations being had, but we were still, I don't even think forward sonar was a thing, you know, or maybe there was some panoptics out there, but, but I mean, it was the, it was the first year the pin minnow, the pinhead minnow came out. Yep. It was a pinhead minnow deal. Yeah, that's right. And it was the first day I ever fished one. And that was that fish you saw me catch was on the pinhead. And I remember when I put it down, I was going to fish this bait high and see if I could get one of those high flyers. Yeah. It and was a I'm daytime deal. You. Yeah. It was about an hour into it. And, and I think I got a 14. Yeah. It was just, it was a, remember. it was a big fish. It was definitely, it was, it was way above, you know, the average crappie uh, class that we were going for. You know, I think we were, we were trying to catch, you know, kind of some 10, 11 inch crappies, you know, as far as an average size. And, and we see some 12 inches out there at times throughout the year. Um, you know, but you caught like three crappies in a couple of hours, right? That doesn't sound like amazing fishing, but every one of them was like 13 plus. Then you were fishing like two feet below the ice. 
like midday, like 11 o'clock. Um, like that, that was just really something that was really something. And, and that was, you know, like, I, like you said, that was just you putting your time in, um, and doing it in a, in, in a, on a brand new lake to you. And, um, you know, just trying it out and putting your time in and man, I mean, it just kind of made the show. I mean, we were well, filming a little show and it just kind of made the show is awesome. That was because, because I listened to what you said when we got there, because you had fished that lake your whole life and you had told me that they, that they kind of roamed through, you know, and I, I remember this being this, this lake was, and it was about 12 to 14 feet where we were fishing. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I went down, you know, and I'm sitting there fishing in the normal area and I'm like, you know, I wasn't getting much action. I think I got one maybe or, or something. And I was like, you know, I'm going to dedicate to fishing up high. You know, Taylor said these, these fish are big in here and they're, they're scattered. So let's just throw something up high and see what happens. And that, that's when I dedicated my time into getting those fish and, and made it work. It wasn't, it was not a fast day by any means. No, no. But it was a productive day because we got to see just some big, bigger crappies. And, you know, most of the time I'm fishing, I just want the eaters. I want the tens to 11s to 12s, you know, it tends to 12s. And, you know, um, when you're fishing those big ones, it just, you know, just to catch them and let them go is amazing. Big old slabs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a totally different pattern, man. It's like, what's old is new. You know, it's like fish a lake your whole life. But then when you kind of, you, you sort of find out that there's an, there's a, a pretty unbelievable fishing experience that's been happening on a lake I fished my whole life that I can go after now and just, you know, I can dedicate some time to something and, and the whole lake fish is brand new to me. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. They listen to this. This isn't about going out and finding some, in most cases, if you crappie fish, it isn't about going and finding some new location or going after this on some unknown uncharted waters. It's probably happening on a lake near you or the lake that you fish you know, you know, it could be happening right below you and you don't even know because you've never brought your bait up to that level. That's the thing. You know, I was going to go into this earlier with the wheelhouses is, is a friend of mine catches a lot of big ones. And, and the reason why is because he spends probably five or six hours in his wheelhouse every night after work. He fishes one line high and then he fishes the other one in the middle of the water column. And um, a couple times a week that that big one will go off. You know, so he's not catching a lot of fish there, but he's catching giants and getting to see them and hold them and put them down in the water. But he's dedicated. Yeah. If you add it up five hours a day, you know, seven days a week, that's a lot of time to fish in high. And that's why he's getting them. And he's not jigging or, or, or bringing those baits in. He's got a, a minnow, you know, hooked. And it's just right below the ice. Yeah, he's, he's not letting the using- minnow do it for him. Yeah, he's not using forward sonar. He's not moving and grooving. He's not making any adjustments to his spot or anything. You know, what I mean, that's just dedicated time, and um, and it's paying off even under a wheelhouse that's st- completely stationary. So that's pr- that's yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot to learn. You know, as anglers, we're all kind of have different styles and different expectations, and and it is so popular to to have permanent houses and fish in permanent yeah. houses. There's still a lot a lot to be had a lot of uh you know just a a lot to say about you know having that 
And it's a lot easier to put time in, right, when you're a little comfortable in a wheelhouse, you know, versus sitting outside for five hours. So there's something to be said for all of it. Absolutely. There's just no question about it. But definitely, if you're on a good crappie lake and you have decent crappie bites throughout the year and um, you're, you know, and. You know, we talk about basin roamers that that are down not far from the bottom. They might be feeding on, um, you know, the invertebrates coming out of the mud. And we talk about suspended crappies all the time. You know, how do you get out in the basin that's real deep and find crappies that are halfway down in the water column? They're they're chasing minnows or, you know, they're schooled up doing whatever. This is above that. You know, we're talking we're not talking suspended crappies. We're talking crappies that are like making contact with the ice yeah megas giants you know the the ones that um you don't see often because because they're feeding high and they're staying above the other groups uh uh, you know it's like they're i don't know what you would call it for a crappie but it's the class of them you know that's like the 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 big class that hangs out high above the crowd the ones you want to catch yeah, you know, um, they get you excited. Those are the ones that actually made me love crappie fishing. You know, I always really liked crappie fishing, but those big ones, you know, um, I and I'm still trying to break that 17 inch mark, but I've had a ton of 16s and 15s. But um, as soon as I get that 17 inch mark, I'm gonna be happy. Heck yeah! I mean, you're talking a monster, but it's got to be some type of a learned behavior. Or, or it's some sort of a reaction to some, some kind of a stimulation, you know, like you said, it might, in your experience, you don't necessarily see it as being a total feeding pattern. I mean, they got to be eating something up there and there's probably plenty to eat, right? We all see minnows, schools of minnows that get pushed up and, you know, whatever, they're probably eating whatever they want. But the fact that the smaller, you know, year classes aren't represented nearly, it, it means these crappies aren't living there their whole lives. It's not like they're born with this information. They These are the type of crappies that grow up and come up through the ranks in some way, shape, or form on these lakes. And they just wind up, you know, just kind of gravitating towards this pattern of smaller wolf packs moving fast below the ice. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. Do you, do you feel like, do you feel like uh, you see anything there? Like, the, you know, like... Uh, lakes that just have higher populations of 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 crappies in general have more of a pattern like this going on well hard it's the hard hit lakes that i seem to you know where people clean out the smaller ones you know it's um that i tend to see it on more like osakis gets a lot of um pressure in the winter you know so uh, the fish are growing and getting cleaned out as they grow up you know, people are catching them when they're 10 and 11 and, and then and they're not making it to 12, 13, 14, but there's, there's smaller groups that we're not getting into out there or finding that, that are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger they get, the higher they, the higher they swim, I believe, yeah. um, which I could be wrong, but I mean, that's, that's how I feel. Um, key is dedicating an hour to fishing high every time you go out, you know, I mean, you're never going to know if you don't try get in those areas that those crappies are in and, and just fish high. Don't worry about them ones down below. You know, some of them will come up and hit it, but you know, you're not going to know if those big ones are in there unless you dedicate to fishing high. Yeah. And when you talk about, they move fast or they're, they're just constantly moving up in there. 
you know, and, and I'm just putting the picture together in my head. You know, this is a deal where you probably drill a few less holes and stay in a hole, right? Because if they're moving and you're moving, less of a chance contacting each other, right? If you're in a good good area, do you just dedicate yeah. yourself to one hole or three holes? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, you know, kind of like the method to your madness there, getting back to that. Well, first of all, you when you're on crappies and especially you're fishing for big ones, you got to kind of drill a... a, a like an area out that you know they're in, you know, on a, on top of a weed bed, but um, to the on the edge of a weed bed, you know, to into the weed bed, you know, um, above the weed bed, you know, you 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 figure out where they're at, whether it be by camera, forward sonar, or whatever, you know, and and you figure the most populated area you're going to fish, or the one that has the right size fish you're going to you want to catch the bigger fish, and then you get up above them and fish. If that sense you know you gotta pick the right area um and like you know what i did learn in tournament fishing is your camera is your best friend in those areas you know um you need to learn how to let your camera down slowly and bring it up slowly because that first drop that's fast with the camera scares everything away you know you got to check that full water column because you'd be surprised when you're dropping down that camera how often you see a crappie swimming by a yeah, little higher yeah 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 that's um, really things good like that you know the camera um will always be your best friend when you're fishing or in those weeds and weed flats and weed areas you know whether they're in the in the weeds or out of the weeds you know um nothing else is going to tell you the truth like the camera does yeah man i like i like what you're talking about you know in your experience on pressured water you know, maybe that has something to do with the pattern, you know, and, and, and knowing that so specifically probably doesn't matter. But I think that that really goes to show where the opportunities are, because we all fish a lake that gets fished. We all fish a lake that has yeah. fishing pressure and we all fish crappies. And, in, in, you know, you look at Minnesota, like, my gosh, in the wintertime, does the, the crappie the, as a species uh, definitely moves the industry quite a bit. And, uh, you know, so everybody knows what we're talking about here and y'all know a local lake or, you know, whatever your home lake is. And we're all just trying to find a secret spot. We're all trying to find an area, you know, away from everybody else. That's just, you know, just better than everything else on the lake. But man, just talking about, um, realizing a totally new pattern altogether, that's big fish, not far from below your boots is uh, pretty cool to talk about. Well, you could, I could compare two lakes, you know, we got Osakis, it gets hard. And then not far from it, we got Smith. Both of them have crappies in it. One of them has, you know, decent sized crappies in a good mix of different you know, sizes. That'd be Osakis. Then you got Smith Lake that's just plumb full of eight, nine inches crappies. But people don't fish it as much. Now, if they went over there and fished those eight and nine inch crappies and caught those up, those, those Smith would get bigger. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah. because you're you're taking fish, you're you're taking some of the the you know they they got more to eat. Yeah, you if get, that makes getting, sense. Opening up some of that biomass a little bit. So what's happening with Smith is they don't you know they're eating whatever they can, but they're not growing, and they're they're they get more and more populated and they get smaller and smaller. And I've seen this on other lakes too, you know, you get stunted lakes, but you know, to me, an eight, nine inch crappie is a good eater all the way up to 12, you know, 
and that's that's the deal. If you have a lake that's it's has the right balance and doesn't have a bunch of stunning crappies in it. That's good information. That's good information. Just helping helping me, helping everybody listening um kind of wrap their heads around you know where these opportunities are happening but yeah man i i agree with you i think it is super cool i know this is going to be humongous on my radar moving forward i love fishing crappies in this in the winter whenever i get that chance and um you know catching them right below the ice you know all those factors that we talk about so much come into play about just being discreet being nice and quiet on the ice i mean those fish are so close to you and just kind of having that stealth that stealth strategy and um, just grinding it out, putting your time in, and um, you know, you know, we're, we haven't even talked about gear or rods and reels and line and all that stuff because you know, in a lot of cases, you know, that really doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk yeah. about the bait in the in the area and the water column to fish. You know, you need something loud. Yeah, something that moves water, something that can call them in. Because again, it's small, loose groups, right? So having yeah. something, um, you know, for you. You know, let's we'll just give a few recommendations. Um, maybe go through a little bit of your arsenal. I mean, um, is is it a color deal ever? Like, are you matching the hatch? Like, like what is just kind of like some of your 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 confidence baits when you're doing something like this? When you're when you're willing to put the time in, what are some of your confidence baits for this pattern? Well, it it also depends on the water clarity on what color I pick, but um, you know. I, the, the, my favorite bait is going to be for crappies now is, is the pinhead and the tika. I've just caught so many of them on there since that first day I caught that big one. You know, I mean, the first fish I caught on the tika or in the pinhead was a, a 15 inch crappie. So, you know, it, my confidence got gained real quick with that. And I was like, yeah, these are, you know, so, um, you know, uh, I'd probably go with blue and silver just cause it's flashy, you know, and, and I, Definitely use one of the bigger sizes. I wouldn't go with the smaller, but probably the second biggest size. Uh, you know, if I, if I see fish coming in and not messing with it, then I'm probably going to go to something, to something smaller, like the drop kick with the with the pink macumino. But you don't have many chances when you're fishing high. You know, they're either going to hit it or they aren't. They're going to keep moving. You know, the the key is to stay dedicated to that height. You know, put a lot of action in your bait. And, and 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 just make sure you stay up there to catch one when they do fly by. If that makes sense. It's not Perfect sense. really rocket science. It's pretty easy. It's just you have to put yourself in that mindset that you are going to fish that high and you, nothing's going to keep you to, from going down below to get those other fish. You're going to stay up there where those big fish are and you're going to catch one. And if you can put that in your mind and work it and you're in the, and you're in the areas that they're at, you're going to, you're going to end up getting them. And it takes time. Like just like any trophy fish, it takes time to, to perfect it and, and time to dedicate yourself and make yourself and have the, you know, I mean, just make yourself fish that height. Yeah. Yeah. For you, when do you, know, what part of the season, I mean, do you start fishing? Do you start looking for crappies doing this? Um, as soon as, you know, like early ice all the way through the winter. I mean, talk a little bit about the season. As yeah, the season it's, goes it's, on. it's a whole season type thing. It's, you know, it's, you, you just got to stay high. It's not, it's hard. It's simple. It's that easy. It's just, he wants to do it because that's the dark zone on your backside. You can't see your bait and it, and it's uncomfortable. You got to get out of that comfort zone and, and, and 
and dedicate yourself to fishing it. Yeah. You know? The people that don't even have a Vexilar out there, and there's still probably a few of those, uh, you know, in that crowd, they're probably laughing right now because they think, you know, that you know, living in the dark zone ain't that hard. You know, that those are the those are the folks that have an advantage. You know, you talk about the hard sided shack, you know, guys that are in sleeper shacks that are probably, you know, they got their feet up and they're just reading a book and they're just waiting to hear waiting for a bobber to go down or, you know, waiting for a rattle reel to tick a couple of times. And, you know, there's a real beauty to that. You know, it's just like find the way, find whatever way it is comfortable for you to be uncomfortable for as long as you possibly can. Um, and it's kind of like an art, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Nobody wants to fish now that we have electronics where they can't see their bait. You know, it's it's just it's a hard thing to do. It's uncomfortable and you're you know you're used to way and then you got to switch it and i know it was tough for me but once i got through and started catching fish then it just became natural all right you know i'm gonna fish high here yeah. before i move this hole and i, I mean try it every hole fish down low for the fish and then come up high and fish high for five minutes then do that on your next hole you know i mean that's that's a way to add it in there to where you're not just doing it all at the same time, you know, every hole you go to fish high for a little bit. Yeah. 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 You know, cadence, you mentioned a little bit, you know, you like to use spoons, you know, horizontal baits that glide bait, like a Tika minnow, you know, those types of baits typically work best with a little bit of action. You know, uh, that's kind of an artificial bait strategy. You know, you can probably tip them with a wax worm. You can talk about what gives you confidence, but is cadence a big deal for you? I mean, are you working it all the way through uh, the bite or do you uh, maybe see them below you? Do you slow it down so they can hit it? I mean, talk I, a little I, bit about I, cadence. I slow it down. I don't try to, I never want it to stop, you know, um, and that's hard to do. So the first thing that naturally you want to do when something's coming up and you're shaking it is stop. You know, you just want to slow that down to a small, uh, you know, wiggle or twitch, you know, just so, I mean, sometimes, you know, and other times you just want to, if they keep going by and you slow it down and they're not hit, you just want to keep that thing moving. You got to read what the fish are doing that day and it could be different and it's going to be different every day. You know, one day they're going to want to stop it slow. One day they're going to want you to just keep slamming on it. Cadence is a weird thing, you know, with me. I, I, I kind of, you know, that's just your jigging style. And one of the things I do is I, I have like six or seven songs that I jig to, nice. you know. Nice. So I run through those seven at every hole, you know, for about 30 seconds to a minute each, you know. And um, that way I'm putting different action on the jig as I'm presenting it to the fish because everybody knows fishing's different. One day one thing can work and the next day something else is working. That's just how it is. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect 
just like the fish that were reeled in that day and every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other we absolutely do again if you want or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing get in touch with jamie rizvi at rizvi fish replicas you won't be disappointed i like that i like the way you put that because it's so important that you know um we all get confidence based on whatever the last big fish we caught or the last successful fishing uh, experience we had. And then it's so easy to let that get in your head that that's what they want every day or that's what they want all yeah. the time. You know, it's like, so it's like you build confidence in the process, going through those songs and, and, and having, you know, sort of that, uh, that, you know, you, you, the recipe for your, you know, success as far as of cadence is to just go through those, all those progressions in every single hole. I love that. That's great advice. What happens is, and, and I learned this from myself is you just get, get, when I first started ice fishing is you just start jigging the same way. And it's the same way the rest of your, you know, that's the only way you're going to jig until you get out of the comfort zone and make yourself do different beats, different styles and i just had to come up with five different beats that, that i liked and um that way i could present five different presentations every time i'm going down the hole which will increase your 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 catching yeah man and and fishing with other people too right i mean fishing fi- find other people that you know like-minded individuals that you can fish with and you know you learn from each other that's one thing that the industry has really taught me is you know, fishing by and large is kind of a selfish sport where um, we don't take people to our favorite honey holes because, you know, we don't want to give up all that information. And when we have success, you know, we want it to be a little bit of a mystery and it's kind of like our badge of honor. But I tell you what, like, you know, if you don't share information, you don't get information and nobody's getting any better at fishing, you know, and it's like, that's a huge element too. I, I learn this way. I watch people. I don't ever ask them any questions. If they're out fishing me, I start watching them. You know, because if I ask them the question, I'm probably not going to get the right answer. <laughs> yeah, if probably. I watch and see what they're doing, I can learn it. And that's how I learn. Everybody's different. But, um, you know, when I was fishing with the NAIFC guys and I'd walk up to them and they were fishing. And a lot of times you, this was just in like community spots because if they're out looking for fish, they don't want you anywhere near them. You know, um, yeah. but I'll, I'll watch them fish and, and hang out with them and, and, and see what they're doing that I'm not. And, um, I've, you know, learned a lot just from watching other people catch fish, whether it be in the boat or out of the boat on the ice, you know, I mean, I've had clients that are out fishing me and I'm wondering what they're doing. You know, it just happens. So totally. Totally, man. And that's the beauty open, of it. Close yeah. your mouth and open your eyes. That's right. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Man, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of so many things in life is that, you know, an opportunity to learn is always just right around the corner. And that's that's so rewarding. And, uh, yeah, I never assume, you know, I, that's why I, I'll never I'll never be mean or ugly or make fun of somebody on social media um, just for the fact that, um, you know, that karma. You never know. You never know somebody that's only fished two or three times in their life uh, could do something that, you know, where you just witness something totally different or new and it teaches you something or you realize you know somebody that has no assumptions uh, about fishing in their whole life and they just go out and they're just holding the rod a certain way just because who knows why 
And, um, you know, it just, it changes, changes your whole perspective and you learn something great from it. And, uh, I love it. You just, you got to let people do what they want too when they're in the boat. Sometimes you learn from it It, it, on the ice too. You know, it's the same thing. It's, um, just, I don't know. I love this sport. It doesn't matter what size you fish you catch to me, as long as you're catching, I'm, I'm, I like to see that. So. Right on, man. Right on. What are some other good key elements to this? Like, how long did it take you? How many crappies did you have to catch in this particular way to really start to gain that confidence and really start to feel like you had something going on with it? Well, I can tell you, at first, I was just a big bluegill angler. Um, I didn't really care about the crappies until I started catching them and fishing them and, 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 and learning how fun they are, the way they chase and I mean, they got so many different, you know, ways to catch them and, and, and they're actually an intriguing fish. Um, you know, I, you got to find the fish and then you just got to fish above them. It's that simple. You know, if that makes sense, those big ones are going to be higher. And, um, I keep pushing that. I know I've said it, but basically if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. Patterning them, it's just, you'd pattern them just like you do any other crappie you know, throughout the season, each lake is different. You know, you're just going to find those groups, groups of crappies and get on the outside of them or get above them and fish high. Right on. That's the message. It's that simple. Like you said earlier, it's, it's really that simple. It's a simple decision to make, but it's a lot tougher to just put into action. It's a lot tougher to just say, I'm going to go out today and bash my head against the wall all day long (laughs) And then, and maybe get skunked, probably get skunked, right? Because there's a, there's definitely learning curve, but um, but building that confidence and having getting a couple, catching a couple of those fish, it's just a special thing, right? I mean, you talk about that, you know, you're chasing that 17 inch mark, that's astronomical. I mean, that's humongous. But even to catch a 15 or a 16 on a lake that you've never caught one bigger than say 12. Like, this is how to do it. This is one of the probably, as we're learning now, this is going to be one of your best chances to break your PB on a lake that you fish your whole life. Yeah. And that's that's exactly where, to you know, I want I, I do want to catch my 17-incher on Osakis, but it's probably going to be somewhere else. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to put your time in, right? That's what we're saying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it, man. Well, we're... We're there. We did it. We talked about this enough. We've got a great show. I think this is gonna. It's gonna be fun to bring awareness to the these this new crappie pattern to some people. We're gonna shine a little more light on it to those folks that you know have been kind of wondering about it or thinking about it or scheming about it. But ultimately, you know, I just I can't wait to get a message from somebody after this show here the rest of this winter that talk about um, you know catching their PB on a home lake that they fish their whole life, uh, you know, just because of a, the conversation like this to give them the confidence oh, to go out, sure. put the time in. I think this is going to be awesome. And uh, I know that's a big thing for me now. Fishing up high is a big thing for me. And um, Well, I can guarantee it works because I was in the same position as all these these um, listeners are in. I've always been in the same position as any listener because I've moved from Texas and fished all my life saltwater, and then all of a sudden I had to learn freshwater. So, you know, I've been in that position you're in. I made myself fish high, and it worked out for me. If you do it, it'll work out for you. That's it, man. I love it. Let's We'll sign it off right there on that message. Um, 
before I let you go, anything you want to promote or throw out there, do it. Otherwise, I will let you back to it. I'd say just be the bite. Be the bite. Be the bike, Scotty Merwin. Awesome, man. Well, look him up on social media. Uh, Scotty Merwin, he's always doing something fun, and there's a lot of cool fishing pictures and fishing stories um, on your social. Yeah, now so- I'm now I'm gonna now I'm gonna travel the U.S. and catch fish. I think that's gonna be my new thing is traveling fishing around those giants all over the U.S. Right and on. fishing and catching them. So right on. something I've always wanted to do. That stuff is inspiring, man, for sure. Well, I'll let you back to it, man. Uh, We'll keep track of you on social media. We'll be in touch. Have a good one, man. Be the bite. All right. Talk to you later. All right. We'll talk to you, Scott. Bye.